Have you noticed our, our, our kitschy uh, stewardship monopoly wannabe? As I have uh, really had to dive into looking at what the different squares mean, you know, last week we talked about community chest and how this radical attitude of gratitude can actually work at bringing the community together so that we can help meet each other's needs. And we're gonna continue to look at that today. But, you know, when you start the, a game of Monopoly, you're given this amount of money. And then you, you, you're just kind of going around the board and, and then you get to passing go. And do y'all remember how much you get when you pass go? $200. Um, and so at the beginning, it's kind of like, oh, that's just like a, that's like a bonus. You know, you just kind of start putting it in with your, your little um, caddy that you have before you. But then as the game goes on and you start to buy properties and you start to like have to pay rent to other people that have bought the properties, then that, that $200, it, it becomes this huge gift. It like keeps you in the game. I, I wanna propose that gratitude is the gift that can keep us in the game that we are doing in this life of faith. Gratitude isn't just about the gift that is given out, but what are the gifts of gratitude itself? What are the gifts that the person who lives a grateful life, what are the gifts that they get for themselves? What do they get when they pass, go? And likewise, what are the gifts that happen to a community when a community practices living in gratitude? So that's what we're gonna be looking at this morning. To help us with that, we are gonna to turn to the early church and see an ideal example of how the early Christians were living out this faith. First, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much for all that there is and all that you are doing, how you are doing something new every day. You never tire of, of bringing about new growth, new life, new connections, unities, Oh God, that we might see it. And oh God, as we, as we reflect on what the rewards are that you desire for us in this life, may it give us hope and confidence to go live into that. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Here is the second chapter of the book of Acts. We'll start at verse 43. And it's talking about this early church, the very first Christians, and all came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and they ate their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This, my friends, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So don't get me wrong, this does paint an absolutely perfect picture. This is the early church at their best. Now, if you want some real juice, just go read the very next passage. It's possibly one of the most horrifying uh, stories in all of scripture of what also happened in the early church when they didn't know how to share well. 
But in this passage, we see this beautiful description of these Christians that they're doing a lot. We see that the church is bringing everybody together. Did you hear all the superlatives? They're all coming together. They're all filled with awe. And it seems to be that every single person that is coming is bringing all of their possessions that they have sold so that everyone has their needs met. And not to mention that, the goodwill of all the people. So the people in their community, plus all the people in Jerusalem, everybody is happy. It's perfect. It's Christmas morning. And this is though, this friends, it's supposed to be like this. This is an, a model of the church at its best. And we know that every church that's filled with humans is going to have chapters like the one right after this where they, where they are a mess. But friends, this gives us something to strive for. And what we see here is a community who is practicing radical gratitude and then reaping the benefits, passing go and getting these surprise gifts because of how they choose to live. This is what the gifts of gratitude look like in a community. The people in this community, they are making a choice. They are choosing gratitude as a lifestyle. My mom was in town a couple weeks ago and she noticed how puny my hydrangeas are. And they've continued to be puny year after year after year. And she asked me, what are you feeding them? <laughs> Nothing. She said, you need to put some of that compost on there. Or, so you need to add some nutrients in because the soil is not rich enough. Gratitude makes our, the soil of our lives the soil of this community, the soil of our world, it makes it richer. This is the ingredient each of us needs to add into our lives so that we can flourish as God really desires for the people of God to do. Imagine just a little bit of gratitude into your thoughts, to your conversations, in your school, in your workplace, it can richness, it adds this richness. And we're gonna talk through all the ways that it happens. And the first gift of gratitude, friends, is that gratitude mysteriously brings people together. This is how the text reads. All who believed were together and they had all things in common. So there's these early Christians and they're coming together and they're bringing their stuff. And not just that, they're selling stuff so that people's needs can be met. They're sharing their stuff and what they brought, they come and they bring their stuff, but then they have this desire to share it with other people. It's like they cannot help but live into the gratitude. They wanted to make sure that there was no one who was left out. There was no one whose needs were not met. And they also knew that not one single person could do that. They knew that together, everyone achieves more. That the only way for the community to be cared for was if everybody came in and offered something so that the needs could be met. And this is what happens when we do that. When we practice gratitude, connections, connections between people are made. It's as if every thank you Every gift given, it's like this tether between you and another person. You thank your teacher 
at the end of class. And there is this tether from that teacher to you of affirmation. You thank your spouse and there is this tether of understanding. You thank one of the greeters out front who come here every single week, week after week, so that this place is a welcoming place. And there is this tether of they noticed. Simple acts of thanksgiving. They literally connect a community together. And this is true for all of our relationships. Simply saying thank you for the small things that another person does. It draws tethers between people. In 2015, a study was done at the University of Georgia. Go dogs. They took 468 married individuals. They, they were not married couples, but so this is, oh, this is 1,000 married couples, but 468 individuals. And they asked them three questions. They asked them question, three categories. They asked them questions about how they were doing with their finances. They asked them how they were doing with conflict. And they asked them how they were doing with gratitude. And they were curious to see what was their level of satisfaction in the marriage. Was it because finances were okay? Maybe they had less conflict? Or was it because of gratitude? Well, you can imagine. Overwhelmingly, finances and conflict did not determine the satisfaction in the marriage. It was how much they felt like their spouse appreciated them. This is the most significant predictor of marital satisfaction, is for a spouse to understand that they are valued and appreciated in a marriage. Gratitude, it brings and it literally keeps people together. Second, this is my favorite gift that comes from passing the go of gratitude, and that is gratitude brings contentment. Gratitude helps a person to see all that there is as opposed to what there is not. This is the mindset of abundance, not of scarcity. See, the early church, they did not have much. These were not learned people. They did not have lots of property or possessions. Most of them were illiterate, but they were determined that they were going to come together and meet the needs of those in their community. The text reads, they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, as many as any had need. The focus was not on what people did not have. It was on what they had. And what they had had to come before the community. Oh my gosh, look at all that we have. Because they wanted so desperately to share the ways they had been blessed. A few weeks ago, several of us were honored to go and have a lunch given to us from our Afghan friends. It was for the people that have volunteered. It was for people that are on our leadership team. And it was given by several families that came together. And as I walked in to the home, I, I realized they had been so incredibly intentional about hosting us and saying thank you. Laid before us was this beautiful meal, and they had traditional Afghan dishes that took a long time to make. They had to drive to San Antonio to pick up the goat to go into the goat stew. There was about 30 of them that put together this meal for the some 30 of us. 
but they were so intentional because they knew some people are picky. So they had the French fries and the slices of pizza and the Diet Coke. <laughs> this house, friends, it, it has little to no furniture. The children, there were probably a dozen, they have little to no toys. Oh my goodness, they are rich. You can see in the men's eyes how they are overwhelmed with the abundance that they have been given, the opportunity for life after Afghanistan. And they have this extended family now in, in Westlake Hills and, and in Austin. And, and the, all they see is how much they have. They could not help themselves. They kept bringing out more and more and more and more full plates because theirs is a mindset of abundance. Consider how much all of us have. Why do we focus on where we lack? One of the most challenging scriptures in all of the epistles comes from 1 Timothy and it says, there is great gain when godliness is combined with contentment. Practicing gratitude, we receive the gift of contentment. Third, the gift of gratitude is gladness. The text reads this. It says they ate their bread in their homes with glad and generous hearts. The Greek word used here really means exceedingly glad. It doesn't just mean like happy. Do you all know the story when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth and they're both pregnant? And the text reads that the baby John inside Elizabeth's womb, it leaps for joy. That's the same word there. This is joy that is bursting forth. This is joy that cannot be contained. This is Christmas morning joy. You, the, the children are squealing with delight. You're squealing with delight for them because they are so excited. This is early community. These would have been people that were coming to the table squealing with what they could share with one another. Not just in the stuff, but in the community. They come to the table exceedingly glad because they realize how much they have been given, how much abundance there is, not just in the meal itself, but in the people. There is this lens of being able to see through gratitude. And who couldn't use a little bit more gladness, exceedingly glad in their life right now? This is another gift of gratitude. And lastly, this one just really struck me. Our version of the scripture says, the text says, it says they, they were eating with glad and generous hearts. And Tate talked a little bit about generous. And that, what she modeled there, what that story of the widow's might, that is extreme generosity. But that is not the word here, unfortunately. This word that's used here for generous is the only time in the whole of scripture that it is used. It's used one time, so we don't have a lot to go on. It's never translated anywhere else because it's the only time that it's used. But this is what we know about that word. It's really better translated as kind because it's, it's a word that's in the negative. And so like it would be a word like power and it says disempower. Okay, well the root word means to stub one's toe on a rock. You're walking along, 
you stub your toe. The word that's used here is not stubbing one's toe. Not stubbing one's toe. And then it hit me. The, they sat around that table. They were going to do whatever they could not to hurt anybody else. Their mission was to have this exceeding joy, and they were not going to dare throw a rock that someone might trip over. Whether that be in conversation, the topic, whether it be bringing up a subject that was difficult, whether it be interrupting, they weren't going to do anything. So anybody's heart at the table would be hurt. How powerful is that? They do not stub each other's toes. They're never pointing the finger at what people are doing wrong. That would stub their toes. Instead, they're pointing and holding hands and grasping and remembering all that they have in common. And so I want to ask us a question. The people that we live with, that we work with, that we go to school with, do we stub their toes? I imagine that most of us know exactly what comment or what story or what topic or what body language will lead to the metaphorical stubbing of someone else's toes. But when we choose to live in gratitude, we are saying, I will do anything so that you do not hurt because getting your toe stubbed, it's awful. And I've had that hurt before and I don't want anybody around this table to feel that. When I imagine a people using this kindness towards each other, I imagine people choosing to listen some, to someone tell a story but, and they don't interrupt them when they get a fact wrong. I imagine them listening when someone tells a story and not even feeling like you had to tell one in addition. I, I imagine a table where the tone is gentle, the body language is chill. And even if a difficult topic comes up, we are seasoned with so much grace and gratitude that when people leave the table, everybody leaves full and flourishing as opposed to shoulders slumped and feeling stuffed with weighty conversation. This kindness will be a gift to all that are present and our world needs more of this kindness. See, gratitude has many gifts because it is something that one gives freely, but it is also something that one receives and God wants us to receive these gifts of gratitude. When we are able to practice this, we'll see it and the gifts will abound. We'll start to, to see an abundance in the midst of something that you could have thought was lacking. You'll begin to see that as you practice the gratitude, connections are made and there's more unity in a friendship, in a marriage between a parent and a child because you are practicing gratitude. And so I want you to consider right now, what are you grateful for today? What are you grateful for today? And I, I want you to turn to someone on your left and right. I want you to share that with them right now. I want you to share what you're grateful for. You might have to scoot over.
Will you stand and let us sing together of our gratitude? May it be so in my life and in yours.